Welcome to A New and Ancient Story, a show dedicated to the transformation of self and society. We're moving from the story of separation to a new story of interbeing. We explore it all, technology, spirituality, agriculture, healing, economics, politics, ecology, relationships, education, because the changes that are gathering today will leave no aspect of our world untouched. For deeper engagement with these ideas, join our community at newandancientstory.net. All right, here we are uh, at Seppi Garrett's house in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, really, a hotbed of alternative culture <laughs> in North America. <laughs> Well, actually not known for being a hotbed of alternative culture, but the fact that it's happening here means that it must be happening everywhere, which is uh, really good news. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce this place a little bit, and then you can introduce more. Um, so uh, I've had a few conversations recently about... Um, people who want to start eco-villages or maybe even something on a much smaller scale than eco-villages. And the idea is that it's kind of a haven or a sanctuary for people, for young people to go to who are not on the normal path or what used to be the normal path of college, grad school, career, et cetera, et cetera. But that they maybe don't know what they want to do, but they know that they don't want to do that at least right now. So there are kind of these way stations almost that, that, that um, these people, these young people are going to. And in fact, Jimmy lives at one of those in Asheville, North Carolina, which um, at least up until recently, it was one of those places. Uh, there was just a constant flow of really amazing young people, artists and musicians and creators and Entrepreneurs. And yeah, like I'd meet a new awesome person every day living there, pretty much. Yeah. Mm. They'd be like sleeping on the floor, on the deck. Yeah, like, like I'd go downstairs and I'm like, hi guys. <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you. You're in my house. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think there's a huge need for places like that, as, especially as the um, conventional menu of options becomes less appealing and more dysfunctional. You know, like, just the, the financially, I mean, it's so dysfunctional now. And, and I mean, my dad was a, was a college professor for how many years was it? 40? <clears throat> Something like that. Chance. Yeah. And every single year you would complain about how the institution was in decline and the students couldn't write anymore. And, and, and you know, I, I mean, I heard that ever since I was like eight years old. And it didn't get any better. And I'm sure that in you know, 1990, you would have been grateful to have the students who could read and write at the 1980 level. And even then you were complaining that they were nothing compared to what they were in 1970. So anyway, that's just like there's this whole, uh, you know, in, inside and out, there's this whole, there's a huge need for other paths um, that aren't the conventional, but they aren't just goofing off either. You know, there's, there's, other ways to develop that that really can't happen inside existing institutions. So um, here we are at uh, Seppi's house. What are you calling it officially? Seppi's place. Seppi's place. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seppi's place. And um, it, it, this is looking to be kind of one of those places. Um, and all of them are different. All of them have like a different flavor. So this one, um, Seppi will tell us more about it. But it's got elements of a co-working space. There's permaculture gardens. And, and this could be one of those places that's, that's appearing to meet this, uh, this need um, this, as a way station or a sanctuary. So anyway, Seppi, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah. yeah. Um, quite often I have uh, in my head what it is that I want to say, and at this point I don't. So uh, like, I, I'll give you a little bit of history. First of all, I think um, recognizing that Camp Hill, Pennsylvania is pretty well known in this area for being uh, old old money, um, prestigious. We have a really good, one of the best school districts in the state. It's, um, you know, I'm surrounded 
my one neighbor is the the retired lawyer, head lawyer for the Pennsylvania DEP, and um, I'm surrounded on three sides by lawyers, <clears throat> and then I have an engineer on the other side. So, so for 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 the last twelve years that I've lived here, there's part of me that wants to run, like wants to go buy land in the woods and do the things that that I want to be doing without interference or pushback. Um, but all of my chances to do that keep getting sh sheared away from me. And so I'm finding myself in this place, in this town, in this location, in this year, um, doing this. And I think that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you tonight is like, it's pretty scary. You know, it's pretty scary being, I'm already that guy by the library, you know, like, um, you know, in fact, I mean, the reason that we call it Seppi's Place is that everybody knows Seppi. Some people love what it is that I talk about and who it is that I am, and some people feel really threatened by it. And when I walk through the, you know, the football, the football crowd on Friday nights, you know, I get looks um, that tell me, you know, there's, it's about 50-50, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, to give, to give everyone an idea who's not here, like, Seppi has no lawn. It's the whole thing is, is swales and raised beds and yeah. bushes. And, yeah. yeah, and then also Stella and I had started the Campo Won't You Be My Neighbor Facebook page based off of Fred Rogers' philosophies on life. And, and that's, um, that creates a lot of disturbance in the community. People flock to it and they love it and the, the conversations are fun and sometimes very purposeful um, but it definitely you know I've, I've definitely put myself into this mix with purpose and it's not always comfortable and I know that there will come a point in time where the things that I'm doing will raise enough red flags for there to be some official pushback and um, and I think you know I've always felt like uh, it's important to choose my battles and this is a battle that I feel like um, mm is worth is worth standing in standing so some around. of the people here don't know like, like exactly like my mom just asked um you know like what's going on here like <laughs> like, like this space right here what's this and what's that and what's yeah. going on over there yeah uh, i'm asking the same thing um <laughs> so so basically like um it, my life fell apart about three years ago um because i saw uh, the larger systems falling apart and I was living in a real place of fear and and that's when I you know that's when I found your work and I was like I'm not insane like there's other people that are just as insane that are that are seeing the things that I'm seeing and thinking the, the things that I'm thinking and here's this guy that gave voice to it and it was beautiful it was a life-saving moment um, it wasn't however a marriage saving moment so um, you know so my life ended up uh, getting really turned upside down um, about three years ago and and it's been the biggest blessing of my life. And so what I've found, it started with uh, you know, a desire to grow my own food, to feed my family food that I could consider to be medicine. Um, and it was really that cut and dry. I was either poisoning my family or, or feeding them medicine. Um, so it started with gardens. Uh, and then it started with a permaculture design certification course with Susquehanna Permaculture. And, um, and then we started doing classes out in the backyard on food forests and swales and hugel cultures and organic gardening, raised beds, broad forking, all this kind of stuff. And it's just, um, what I'm finding is that uh, it's like, I don't even need to think about it. Uh, all I need to do is show up and things happen. Connections are made, ideas are brought to the surface, relationships are, are blooming. That's all I need to do is create the space and it'll happen. And so that's what I've been doing. So, you know, you walk up the front steps and I'm right across the street from the nicest library in Cumberland County. So I need to have some sort of a transitional period. So I have, I left the knockout roses, um, but I'm growing food in my front yard. Um, you walk up the, the front steps and you walk into this house that now um, has a, a um, a little boutique right inside the door where local um, primarily medicine makers, uh, soap makers, um, salve makers, uh, you know, artisans can um, can sell their wares out of this space and, and to support the local um, craftspeople and, and um, 
and then you walk a little bit further in and there's a, a shared workspace. You know, I work, I work five hours a day building maintenance and I'm amazed at what they throw. Most of the furniture in this house is supplied by um, two law firms and a, and a bank, you know, because they throw it out. I'm like, you're not throwing that out. I'm sticking, <laughs> I'm calling my dad and having him bring the trailer over and we'll take it home and put it to use. Um, you know, so there's a shared workspace with all these papers and um, paper clips and pens and markers and uh, thank you cards and all of this stuff I'm pulling out of the waste stream. Um, and, and then you walk a little bit further in and there's a library with all sorts of permaculture design books and manuals and, and uh, philosophy books and gardening books and, and there's a couple chairs and a couch and that's where Board, we're sitting Boardroom right chairs here we're sitting on. Yeah, yeah. This we're, is like the executive, the executive suite. Executive suite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So um, we should be making six figures. And, uh, we um, are, if you include dollars, <laughs> dimes and cents. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then uh, you walk a little bit further in. I have two kids, uh, so we, you know, in in the transition of the space into one of these centers that you're talking about, these safe havens or whatever they are, and I don't, I don't, you know, I could call it a lot of different things, but I also have to consider my family, my children, and change has proven to be challenging uh, for me, but you know, also for my kids, and so we have a family room set up. But it's also set up where we can turn chairs around and modify it and in about five minutes be able to seat about 35 people and watch a documentary. So, you know, this is... Yeah, this is not, I mean, this is not a huge house, you know, it's a pretty normal sized house. Right. But I think it'd be great for, for kids to grow up and have interesting people coming through all the time. Right, right. We, you know, we painted chalkboards on the, on the wall. We, you know, Kendra went out to her parents' farm and got all this old barn wood. We put about $100 into materials into this place and we've totally transformed it to meet as many needs as possible. Um, we have two large folding tables that can seat, I don't know how many people were here tonight, 13, 14, I think maybe a little bit more. Then we've got another table, you know, so we can, we can put a whole lot of people. We have potlucks every other Monday night. We're doing a sacred masculine group on uh, first and third Mondays following your podcast. and. Um, and then, you know, we'll be delving into um, nonviolent communication. Probably the biggest thing that we have, so we have this shared working space that's open, run by volunteers, um, Monday through Friday, 8 to 2, coffee and stuff. In my opinion, the two biggest things that we have is the backyard, which mm -hmm. is a real sacred space. Um, the more familiar I am with the backyard and the more time we spend back there, the more sacred it, it becomes. It's, it's you can touch it when you walk out there and it's incredibly grounding so one of the things that Kendra and I want to do and I think Eric when he shows up and that's a whole other story is how the three of us came together it was all these synchronicities in fact we just picked each other up along the I-81 corridor uh, and started having this conversation I mean it was it was amazing everything is falling in place um, so we love to help people start small businesses. Like we have all of these ideas of like, okay, well here's an issue, here's a problem. How can we support and grow our local farmers? Um, you know, and here are the resources that we have. How can we create something that, that meets as many needs, that serves as many people as possible? And we have all of these ideas, you know, probably three or four really great business ideas a week just come out of our relationship. and. And then we have all of these younger kids, adults showing up. They're not going to college. It doesn't make sense to them. But they're also like, I'm a genius, but I don't know really what I want to do. You know, so uh, our hope is that connections will be made in, in this realm. We have lawyer friends that are young and really kind of anti-lawyer lawyers um, <laughs> that are really well-versed in starting small businesses and supporting small businesses and also zoning and codes and all that kind of stuff, which we're going to be getting into at some point. Um, so everything's like set to start supporting this community. So we have this backyard that when things get amplified or crazy, you can go out there and just stand and immediately slow down um, and feel healthier. Feeling healthier. The other thing that we have, in my opinion, that's kind of the core of this place is this shared healing room in the back that juts out. It's an old office and it juts out into the garden. Um, and that's where we want to be supporting 
our our new healers that mm. are just kind of learning. That's so useful because because like so many people like you know they they finish massage school or acupuncture school or you know whatever. I mean, there's so many modalities now and. Then the temptation is okay. Well, I'm going to rent some office space. Right. Well, there, right off the right off the bat, you have to pay five hundred, like at least five hundred dollars a month. You have to cover, and and there's like businesses don't start that way. You know, you start because there's such a saturation of healers now that mm-hmm. you know you start treating a few friends, you know, and then maybe if you if you do well, then maybe you know you start to get a paying client or two here and there. But but it's and 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 it's not like you're going to be most of those people are never going to be a full-on professional charging $90 an hour to a full slate of clients, you know. Right. It's going to be kind of integrated into other parts of life. Maybe they have kids, you know. So I think this kind of this kind of setup is um, really forward-thinking. Yeah. Well, kind of part of the deprofessionalization of mm-hmm. healing. Right. That's really yeah. a huge part of it for me. I got certified to do massage in California and licensed, and then when I moved back home here, I had to go through, well, I would have had to go through, but I chose not to, whole another maybe two years of recertification processes, and really costly, and it wasn't possible for me financially, but I have this skill, I can I can heal people. Um, and so I just started working out of my home and doing it donation-based, and that resolved a lot of issues with the state licensing stuff. And I was very upfront and honest to have people fill out a form. It makes it really easy. Um, and so I really wanted a space like that where, because I'm, I'm meeting all these people who have these natural healing skills, whether they went to school for it or not. And I think that identifying your natural human ability to heal is um, all of our birthright. And so I really, really am passionate about providing a space for people to practice that and offer that in a way that's, um, I guess, kind of cutting corners around some of the yeah. <laughs> some of the I mean, circumstances right. that limit us. There's a lot of a lot of um, gift economy stuff here. Mm-hmm. That because I imagine this is a you know zone residential. So right. is this mm-hmm. a business here? Well, you're not actually charging for anything. No. So if you don't charge for anything, is it a business? Right. Right. Like maybe that's a thing for your lawyer friends to <laughs> argue about, but it's not obvious that it's a business you know so at least like you can you know play innocent and and the wheels of justice turn very slowly right right you know right, right. so by the time they get around to deciding it's a business you know that might be 15 years from now right right, right. Yeah. well the other the other thing so first of all i want to address the healing space so not only do we have all of these up and coming healers people kind of tapping into their natural gifts but we also i'm surrounded by these like it's like this front line, um, earth workers, farmers, uh, naturalists, explorers that are getting sick. So it's like like uh, a perfect timing. They might not have, and they because of the path they're walking, they don't have a lot of money. Absolutely. They don't have. To, to, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, that's an understatement. And and you know, so so here we have a community that's sick, that is incredibly important in the work that they do, and here we have a community that that are finding themselves to be uh, able to to help people feel better. So that's what that back room's all about. You know, how how can we how can we how can we pair those folks up in a way that's fair to everybody? So so I want to I want to just like just add a little context. Like one point that is really important is that this is not hard to do. Like I think probably you know thousands or tens of thousands of people around the country could easily make their house into something like this. It doesn't take a lot of money, you know, it doesn't take, I mean, it, it's it's readily available and it's so needed. And people have a lot of extra space too. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you from my perspective what it takes, um, like a shit ton of faith. Mm-hmm. Like, so everything that I'm taught as far as being a father, being a husband, being a homeowner, like I've had to throw out the window. You're being irresponsible. You're Incredibly being naive. irresponsible. Yeah, you're being yeah. impractical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, blamed for all sorts of things like that. And to me, there's no other sane thing to do with what I own. Um, to me, it just makes sense. And you know, real clear. I mean, just tonight, the people that showed up, the diversity of people that showed up. And you know, a lot of your family's here, but. Um, you know, like the relationships that are being made in this space tonight among people that haven't met each other before, to me, it's a no-brainer. 
It's an absolute no-brainer. Um, so that that that's what it that's what it takes. The the ideal thing, you know. So I find myself like, okay, well, I need to continue doing the job that I'm doing in order to support this process. Um, I think the other the other piece that it takes is, you know, the so so. I just so happen to own a property. I don't. I don't even really own it. I still pay it off, and even once it's paid off, I won't really own it. But I have. I have. This is Seppi's place. You know, it's my name on the mortgage. Um, so, so the other piece that that so the communities that I'm focused on, the communities that show up, aren't folks with money. What I'm finding is that there's a real need for sharing of resources. Um, you know, I can do this and I can continue to work my, my J-O-B, especially when it provides me with furniture, <laughs> uh, you know, things like that, alternative forms of, of income. But what would be really sweet would be if I could spend my life focused on helping other people either make money or um, live more at peace or make connections or, you know, all, all that kind of stuff that I'm really passionate about. So, so that's the other piece is like, how do I navigate this world of having to pay bills um, and allowing for this beautiful space to be co-created um, and still feel relatively limited in, in my participation because of the fact that I still need to go do my 9 to 5, well, 7 till noon um, job, you know. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a challenging road to navigate. Um, curious if any... Actually, I'm kind of curious what, what uh, Evan and Jimmy are responding. We have uh, Jimmy's my son, 19 years old. Evan, how old are you? Like 18 or something? 17. 17. Yeah. Um, how we're responding is still. Yeah, just like what's 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 been going through your mind as I was talking about these, this kind of place and the stuff he was describing it. Yeah, I, I walked in and I saw like boards hanging around and. I don't know, what's going on here with with the uh, setup on, on the other side of this wall? Like there were, there's like charts here going on with what might be happening in this in this house, and I was like, well, obviously there's some kind of you know business going on. I mean, not as to say like like money making business, but I walked in and it was warm, you know. I just sat down and started being. And then people came in, and literally every single person who walked in just smiled at me and was like, Hey, you know, what's up? How you doing? You're here too? Cool. Alright, well, um, let's be together. And, uh, that was nice. And I still, all the way up until, like, an hour and a half in, I still didn't know like what this house was about or anything. I was just happy to be here. And then I find out what it was and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> so, and uh, earlier before this had begun, Charles and I were talking about, you know, what I had planned for the future. And um, I, re I really don't, I don't know. Like, I have a family that kind of pressures me into doing the conventional, like, go to college and, you know, sacrifice however many years of your life to do whatever you want to do, get this piece of paper dubbing you professional at whatever you wanted to do. And um, I don't know if I want to do that for me or for them, but knowing that there's a place like this makes me happy to just uh, be here and think about what I want to do, whether I want to do it or not. And I think it's a great idea to, you know, this is the first of its kind in my, my world. Like I haven't heard of a house like this or a, a place to just relax and talk about things and play, as you put it earlier, play. You know, at, at our ages, mm -hmm. like that's so rare mm. for adults to play. Yeah, it's really needed too. It's really needed. Like, yeah. Earlier yesterday, mm -hmm. John, um, our friend John, Philip, and he 
was another teenage friend of ours. He had gotten into an argument with, or not an argument, but a discussion uh, with his mom as to what life is, and it was really brief, but he was, uh, long story short, he got into a discussion about what he wanted to do for the rest of his life, and it was really brief, and he was like, you're not going to tell me that work and coming home and watching TV is like, that's life. And basically what she was, she literally was like, well, yeah, that's, that's it. She wasn't like agreeing with the watching TV part or whatever. <laughs> go to school and go to work. And that was life. Like, that's what she was like. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's all it is. And he was like, that's it. That's ridiculous. What are you, what do you do? Are there any spaces in that? Are there? And, um, I don't know, it was frustrating for him, but... So I think, I think like, um, like this is the first thing of this kind you've come across. Yeah. Well, but like yeah. I said before, if it's happening here, yeah. it's got to be happening in a lot of places, and it is, because people, you know, tell me about these things. Some of them are on a much bigger scale, but what that means for you is that, like, yeah, you still might decide to go to college. Like, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing necessarily for everybody, but at least you know that there's an alternative. Right. Like... Like you said, this idea of this like little play space, as we could call it, would be so naive to some people. Like they'd be like, "Really, you're gonna have just people hearing about it online and then coming into your house and yeah. like <laughs> that's not sitting practical. down? Yeah. That's not practical. Who? What do you even? But like, if you're looking for something like that, you're not like looking for it to go and rob that house. You know, you're like you're looking for it to to look for to be a it, part to be of there, it. to be a part of it, right. You, I mean, at yeah. some point, like, places like this do run into issues of inclusion and exclusion. Like, you know, at a certain point, you want to, there might be certain people you want to exclude. Yeah, which Mar sucks. Marie's had this. It really, had, you know, it Mar sucks. Marie runs, like, um, or founded a free store in, um, in Media PA. And, you know, very, you know, the ideal is, you know, you come, you take anything you want, you drop something off for other people, and and it works when it works really well when only the people you're describing find out about it. You know, when it's this kind of underground thing, and only someone who types in some Google search, like exchange. Yeah, like, but then you know, when it gets beyond that, then there's so much pain out there in the society, and so much woundedness that that you know, at some point you're going to have, you know, a homeless person. Um, coming in who like hasn't showered in three weeks and you know has a whiskey bottle right. like then what do you do there are yeah. really humane right, ways of dealing usually, with that usually there's, there's, a, there's you have like a period of grace before that kind of thing starts right. to happen right. well yeah and, and uh, you know we're I mean we're setting up also in, in, in response to that so um, we're looking for a, a dryer to stick on top of our washer so when people are coming in here to mm -hmm. fill out applications online or you know, email their parents that they haven't talked to in, in a year, they can be washing their clothes. We have a, a bathroom with a shower where people can be doing that. We have a food pantry in the garage. We're going to be doing um, like clothing donations, you know, people can, can swap out their clothes or whatever. Um, but that's, I mean, that's a great point, you know, at, at some point, how, how do we deal with the feeling of being burned, right? How do we deal mm -hmm. with the, feel, the feeling of be, feeling vulnerable or taken advantage of? Um, and and how do we navigate that? You know, and and already we've we've come in contact with frustrating situations. You know, so so I I typically I typically view all of those as an opportunity, as a gift to mm -hmm. to to dig deeper into who I am, and 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 you know, it, it always comes back to letting go. It always comes back to letting go for me, and. Um, you know, that's what we were talking about last night. It's, it's, it's this continual process, this cycling of, of, um, of opening our hands. Um, and, you know, I know that that's going to be challenged. I know that that's going to be challenged no, I, in a big way. Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, you, you have to, um, I think a lot of people doing this work um, have a discomfort with boundaries. And... Um, you, I think we have to, you have to be really clear with yourself that there isn't any community ever that's ever existed in the world that did not have cultural boundaries and a way to and sort of enforce cultural norms. 
and that that goes for activist groups and people doing work like this and co-housing, co you know, um, that it's natural to be able to establish boundaries. So Mickey Cashton, who's this wonderful NBC teacher out in San Francisco, she wrote uh, an article about, uh, you know, she said, I'm going to upset people here, but not everyone can be included. And here's why. And, you know, basically outlined the idea that we, we want to be as inclusive as possible and we're bending over backwards, but in the end we're losing the mission with, with hyper-inclusivity when people come in and are really disruptive to mission. And so I think getting clear ahead of time before you have these difficult encounters about decision-making and consensus and, and how you're going to set up boundaries is a really good thing to think about now before it then hits you in the face because that was the mistake I made with the free store is that we were kind of all peace, love, and joy and everybody's included and then this really difficult situation happened with a person who was coming into the free store four and five times a day and then taking things and selling them for drugs mm -hmm. and you know half of the community was like well letter it's fine and the other half is like we can't enable this person you know and there was no clear way to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. It sucks you like can't please everyone and that's what everyone right. says but like you really want to. Right. You really want to and then one person <laughs> disagrees with the other. Especially, especially because the way that our society sets boundaries now mm -hmm. is radically violent. unfair. Right. And so, violent sometimes. Right. So, violent. so it's like well let's not have boundaries but then really I think where we're going is maybe to have different kinds of boundaries. Right. Um, according to a different understanding of the world and that there's no simple formula for that because, you know, we have a simple formula in the old way. For example, the boundary of if you can't pay the entrance fee, you can't come in. Right. That's a pretty simple boundary. And if you try anyway, we're going to call the cops. Okay. Like that is the old story boundary. So if you don't want to use that boundary, well, there is no tidy package of a new boundary to use. So this is, and I think that the only way, like, I agree with you, with you to talk about it beforehand and come up with some right. preliminary agreements, but then those agreements are going to be challenged by the actual situation, which doesn't fit into that scenario, and then you begin this evolutionary process where maybe by the end of it, we'll be able to say that, yeah, here's how to do a place like this, Seppi. But right now, none of us sitting here know how to do it. <laughs> and know that... Because it's that, you. And that work is, like... Any work that you do in that way is setting an example for everyone else, you know? It's real important work because yeah. so many people are really striving to figure this out, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, any contribution that, that this group or any group can make um, can be shared, you know, and, and is really valuable to this, the new story that's coming up. Mm -hmm. so. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I find that... Um, like about what you were saying earlier, Evan, like with John and his mom was saying, well, yeah, you have to, like, this is, this is just how life is. You have to, um, you know, go to college, get an education, get a job and, and work. That's, that's yeah. what life is. And yeah. so that's like this old story. And then there's this new story, which everyone, you know, a lot of people here are telling, and this is kind of space for this new story that's happening. And for me personally, just like as a, as a young adult, I, find myself getting kind of sucked into different parts of each story depending on who I surround myself with. Hmm. So um, because of that, you know, I like to, you know, just be really conscious about, about like what, um, you know, what kind of energy I'm being around and, you know, what kind of people I surround myself with, you know, for me to feel good. And so it's just a whole different, uh, like here at, at Seppi's place, everyone's, you know, kind of uplifting each other and everyone's friendly and, you know, everyone kind of understands each other. But then sometimes I'll hang out with other people and it's like I'm speaking a whole different language when I talk about stuff like this. And, you know, I sound crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, so places like this are a place that you actually get reinforced in the values that you that you resonate with, but that are hard to maintain in normal society. So far, there's a phrase from uh, um, Ken Carey, who was a kind of a, one of the early New Age writers. Uh, but his writing is actually quite good. Um, Islands of the future in an ocean of the past. 
he spoke of. Islands of the future and an ocean of the past. And I think now the islands are cropping up in more and more places so that, and connections are forming between them. They're not quite explicit yet. Like you don't, I don't know if there's any kind of national network of places like this quite. I mean, there's, you know, organic farms, woofing, eco-villages, but, but this is kind of a, a next development. Yeah, it would be it would be nice to have it would be nice to have um, it'd be nice to be able to travel to places like this yeah. as you know as an owner of a place like this and see what other people are doing and bring bring you know our experience to the table to their table. There are other places like this. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they call themselves urban ashrams. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a bit more of a spiritual bent, um, the the guy in Oakland, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Pancho Ramos Stierli. Um, his place is very similar. Um, kind of an old house, uh, massive permaculture in the back. It's a peace house, you know, like people come and they stay there for a while and learn peace, you know, peace based activism. Like there are places, and there's one in Miami. There's one in Boston, Deborah's house in Boston. Deborah's house in Boston, yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, one at State College. It's mm. called the Co Space. Mm. Co working space. Is it? It's or is it actual? It's called the co-space. Uh -huh. I, I know some of the people there. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've traveled around the country quite a bit and stayed in similar places. Mm -hmm. And I have a really strong vision of creating some sort of global network um, where people can find these places more easily that is, that is atypical to our, our, our current social network systems. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm continuing to extract visions and connect with people who have creative, new, innovative ideas, especially among the younger generations um, <coughs> on that point exactly, really. Maybe, maybe this conversation will help kind of catalyze, Definitely. you know, people will hear it and like, oh yeah, you know, yeah. I have a place like that, or I want to have a place like that, and maybe people can get in touch, you know, I hope so. somehow. Mm -hmm. I, and I really think that Facebook. Um, <laughs> what makes it really, really important <laughs> places like this is that it doesn't, there's not a whole lot of... Um, startup costs there's not a lot of uh you know you, you just have to start and yeah. then and declare yourself a place and that people will come and it's really important because you know people um you know people do all these like new currencies and you know all these really and they're wonderful and i'm i fully support that but there's so much startup cost to like building a new currency there's so much startup cost to say a hub creating the, like the hub Oakland they had to do you know massive fundraising to build that space and they're all wonderful places but this doesn't take that and for something to go truly like to really bleed into the culture it has to be low cost low upfront cost or it's never gonna take hold among the people trying to do this work mm. um, I think that's a really important piece of it yeah a huge element branching off that for me is is something that Evan was talking about earlier in that we all have a right to just be. And so if we can find a way to cultivate our own essential being and do what we're just already doing naturally and, and just be who we already are um, and have the space that we already have and share that in a way that, that cultivates um, that feeling of community and, and evolution. It's fuzzy inside. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm getting it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really, these kind of spaces, I think, are really offer um, a practical way to live our philosophy and not just write and speak about it and, and really be it and one step at a time without the need to create something massive and new and marketing. And yeah, it doesn't have to scale up. Right, doesn't right. have to go viral right. for it to be really valuable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When we were growing up, I remember. Um, I mean, I grew. I grew up four houses away from here. My parents still live there. Um, we were a block home. We had a. We had a little sign that you put out in the front window. It's a like block home. Mm -hmm. So if there was a kid in trouble, they could come to any house that had this sign in the window. Mm -hmm. You know, and that. That's that's kind of what I envision some sort of you know network of safe places, safe havens, um, you know, block homes. Because adults now more than ever need them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, why should everyone be like miserable and lonely in their box? Mm -hmm. You know, when they could be like hanging out at each other's house all the time. Right. 
But you know, the I mean, the other thing that that I've been thinking about for years is like my feeling around suburbia, being what seems to me like the biggest misuse of land that I've ever experienced. Um, you know, and and you know, in, in in my town, we definitely pride ourselves in the look of our lawns, um, and so that's another thing for me is like. Um, it would be, like I said earlier, it would be easy for me to go out and buy a plot of land and become self-sufficient and take care of me and my own. But that's not, that's not where we're at anymore. It would also be easy for me to buy an old warehouse in the city and, you know, put in an aquaponic system and, and you know, buy the place for $40,000 and revamp it. And, um, you know, so, so, so part, of my, part of this journey is, like, how do we navigate suburbia? Like how how do we create these block homes? How do we create food forests? How do we create organic gardens? You know how do we feed our our own um, and our neighbors in suburbia given the constraints? I, mean, I think I think this. I mean we're we're this is old old suburbia here. Mm-hmm. The houses were built, you know, a hundred years ago, right? Yeah, forty five. <coughs> this was this forty five. Yeah, the house we lived in this neighborhood was a hundred years old almost. Mm-hmm. So. The, the, I think this kind of neighborhood lends itself a lot more to what you're doing than like the new suburbias, you know, right. the cul-de-sacs. The and the, yeah. Yeah. But, well, yeah. Yeah. We had soil. I mean, you know, we we had we had some soil. Mm-hmm. That's a huge bonus. Yeah. You know, not not many people have soil anymore. Right. Seppi, so, you you said you, you um had some questions you wanted to ask or some other topics you wanted to bring in tonight. Yeah. Um, well, I think one of my questions was for Jimmy and Evan um, in particular, just around what it is, um, like, how could we best serve, um, I mean, I'm 43, uh, I, I made a Seinfeld joke tonight, and even my 32-year-old 30, friends were like, huh, Seinfeld? <laughs> you know, so, like... How to reach out? How to? Well, what what is? How, how can we best serve you? Because you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, for me, it's kind of like uh, I have young kids, and and the best thing that I can do for their retirement fund is support you guys, right? That's that's kind of how I see it, and so, but but I don't necessarily know what that looks like, and so that's one of my questions is 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 what would you look for in a space like this? And not, this isn't a party house. It's not like a, you know, it's like, like with intention, how can we best support your generation? Um, you were talking about your friend John and how brilliant he is, um, yet he's starting to get lost in this world of school and work and, and not much else. And so, so that's one of my questions. Well, I feel like a lot of people in the younger generation are either they either get it or don't get it or are kind of on the fence. So a lot of people I know are kind of like kind of on the fence. Those are the people I generally surround myself with. And I think if you just like um, solely dedicate your focus to those people, you'd be a lot more effective in bringing them forward because you know people who are on the other side of the fence who just like don't understand, you know, who think this is a crazy idea. You know, there, there's no way you can change them. There's a, you know, you bring them in like that. Yeah, there's a big gray area, though, the people who are on the fence, you know, because there's this saying that I like to go by. Like, you can meet a, a really great person, and but that doesn't necessarily mean that the, per, that the company that they keep is just as great as they are, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they could just be nice enough to have that person around. So if you were to, like invite a big group of teens to be like, hey, come check this awesome place out, you know, and then they come, we would, you might run into one of those situations where you, that you had going, people coming to your store or whatever. Um, and so it's really a hit or, hit or miss thing going on. It's really... But what would attract, I think the second question is like, like maybe just, you know, not speaking theoretically, but like, Practically, for what you. would attract? Right. Yeah, like, like, what would you be looking for? Like, suppose you decided, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go to college for a year or two. And, well, what am I? Yeah, what am I gonna do? Yeah, like, what would be valuable to you? 
Yeah, okay. Like, what was valuable at David Weber's house, you know? Right, because what, what I think is a big, big thing is, um, is having a culture of people like you or people who, who bring you um, to the other side of the fence. And, you know, so, yeah, if that culture's not already there, how do you start it, you know? Because what I like, I like to be around people like me. So if there's, like, already a youthful culture in, at Seppi's place, um, it would attract a lot more people to come there, you know? People would invite each other and stuff like that. Um, I also noticed a lot of people who, who are going to college for practical reasons um, because they feel like they have to all want to be artists of some sort. They all have these creative urges that they're just kind of ignoring because they have to make a living at some point and they're tired of their job in fast food. That's like, yeah, so... That's exactly right on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's going to take time, mm -hmm. definitely. It's not going to just happen. You know, you're not going to just have a bunch of people here. It's going to be awesome. But like, it's going to take time. And it starts, you know, as a seed. Like, we'll, we'll tell our friends, and then eventually we'll get new people to come in and meet us, and then... So it's word of mouth, but what... Yeah, it's word of mouth, definitely. <clears throat> but what, what makes that? You yeah, what, what, what makes you, like, so excited to tell people about it? Like, what would be... Like, right now, I'm so excited. I'm, gonna tell everybody. <laughs> I'm telling everybody. If this goes up on the air, I'm like, what, listen to this. Or maybe you wouldn't want to tell everybody. Maybe you'd only want to tell people who... who well, like, it would be select. Yeah. I'm, there are... As uh, we were all sitting here and talking, there were people that come to my mind right immediately. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So would mm -hmm. in, do intergenerational conversations like this appeal? Mm. Oh, Ooh. yeah, see, Jimmy and I were talking about how some people, you know, the on-the-fence people we, were, we had just mentioned, uh, they're, they're nervous to talk like this, you know? Like, they, they the, want to. They want to, but oh, yeah. they're just... They haven't had something like this ever. Yeah. You know, like there some their parents won't even like sit down and talk to them as it as it is. So Right. And also school is sets up a situation where the adults in your life are there to judge you and grade right. you. Right. And so you that's how you view by proxy sometimes all adults as that they're there instead of being the resources that we want to be, actually. But right. so I was hanging out with you and your friends, Jimmy, I've had moments where I might even have said it out loud, you know, like, like, why are you treating me like a, someone's dad? They're <laughs> 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 <No>, like, oh. <laughs> because we're all still 18 inside. <laughs> I want to know what you guys, um, just as advice, like, what are the things that adults do and say that make you not feel welcome in a conversation? When they discount your opinion. Mm -hmm. When they, you know, are like... You're 17, dude. Are you kidding me? What do you know about love? Mm. Nothing. Not at all. And I noticed that a yeah. lot of a lot of adults mm. will ask. Um, <clears throat> I guess it'll be um, they'll disproportionately ask about my life rather than trying to actually have a conversation about things. It's like they forgot they were teens. Yeah. Like they, it's like they or, forgot they had feelings. They make you into the subject of the conversation rather than a subject. Oh, school, right? Really. Right. Yeah. It's like they don't want to hear about my opinion. They're just yeah. They're just, yeah. yeah. It's rough stuff. Well, I think I mean one of the really neat things to watch was you came in here and started playing chess, Evan, and um, Jimmy had said that you're a guitarist, and not only are you a guitarist, but you're a good guitarist. And so one of the roommates here, Pat, I don't know if he's here right now. He might be with the dogs. Um, but Pat brings out his guitar and you start playing the guitar and we're sitting around watching you play the guitar and my, I was like, I want this kid <laughs> to play me to sleep every night. Like, this is the most beautiful guitar that I've ever heard. And then your response was, I don't have any guitar that's over a hundred dollars. You have no idea what it's like to play this guitar. Like he was like like the gratitude towards Pat for not only having this guitar but for sharing it with you so that you could turn your art into something even more beautiful than what you're used to um, have it more closely match what goes through your head um, was to me it's that partnership um, you know this this is this is I think um, this bespeaks a, a shift in values that's really really deep that I that's happening now that 
of shifting values away from things that can be measured, quantified, and therefore monetized toward things that that um, contribute to quality of life in unmeasurable ways. And it reminds me of, of an um, anthropological study that I'm fond of citing, where the anthropologist goes in, you know, and he's and he's, he adds up um, the contribution of each man of the tribe to the total, um, you know, caloric and protein intake of the tribe, and he's, he discovers that, you know what, uh, something like fewer than twenty percent of the men are doing almost all the hunting, and the others they are happy to eat it, but they rarely bestir themselves to go and do any productive work for the tribe, and it's just very puzzling. It seems to contradict his understanding of economics because the good hunters don't necessarily even have higher status. Yeah. Uh, and so I, when I read that, I'm like, okay, what's invisible to this anthropologist? Or what isn't he adding up in his calculus of contribution? Well, like, what about these other guys? What do they do? Like, maybe one of them is a really good storyteller. Maybe one of them is a good musician. Maybe one of them is the life of the party and makes everything fun around him. Like, you guys have friends like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I see, like, if, if this kind of thing is a transition toward um, a society that values the things that weren't commoditized and monetized, I see, like, it really being really important to have people here, maybe who come here, and all they do is hang out and play music. And they're maybe not contributing money um, they're maybe not, you know, they're not, you know, they don't have permaculture expertise, you know, and they might help out with other things too, but like maybe the main thing that they do is, is play music, you know, or um, bring something that, um, you know, bring the kinds of things that, that we're coming to value. Like I like having music in my space and recorded music just doesn't do it. <laughs> Because recorded music isn't sensitive to the tone of the room, you know, it's not sensitive to my mood, it's not sensitive to the energy, and there's just no substitute for live music. And and like, how many workspaces in this country have live music at the office, and consider that to be really important? Mm. Not very many. It'd be, <laughs> distracting. It'd be distracting. They'd be yeah. like, oh, that's distracting. But maybe it would be distracting if it's really. Mm-hmm. If it's really like, if your job was to go into the office and just listen. If it was the norm, you know? But also like, like to listen and to be like, okay, what would, what would enhance this office? Maybe it's to, to not play right now. Maybe it's to play really quietly. Maybe now there's a disruption needed, you know? Like, and like your job is the office musician. In the future, there will be a job called office musician. <laughs> Oh, right, right. I just spent the last uh, two weeks in a hospital. My husband had a motorcycle accident. Yeah, and, hospital musician. Oh and God. there is in Paoli Hospital, yeah. in the surgical waiting area, which is this big atrium, they put front and center a big baby grand piano, and mm. people play it all the time. Mm. And I have to say that it was, and I would you know, be going in and out and listening and watching, you know, everybody's waiting to hear how their loved ones got through their cancer surgery or whatever. And having that music there was really, really important. Everybody appreciated it. And um, there's something really beautiful about that. Yeah, most musicians feel the need to accommodate the, the atmosphere that they're in when they're playing mm-hmm. as well. Like, if, if one... I met. I know this kid, his name's Al, Alex, and he, he only plays death metal, okay? <laughs> and he, he doesn't dare play. He, he, I mean, he plays, you know, some melodic things, but that's his comfort zone, is death metal. That's it. And, um... He doesn't dare play death metal if everyone's sitting around, you know, having a good time. He's not wailing on the guitar. It's, it's to, he accommodates the atmosphere, you know, it's not, it's good. It's good. I like that idea, a hospital musician or an office musician. That's great, but that's a long ways from now, I'm sure. But maybe maybe not as long as you think. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, about maybe, to happen right here. Not. Yeah. Right, right on. Yeah. But that could yeah. be something that a, an older generation could... Um, help younger the younger a younger generation with is that providing instruments um, that aren't played. You know, if right. you have a, if you don't have a 
an instrument that is, you know, if you have an instrument that would make your playing more, um, you know, with more ease, and somebody has it but doesn't use it all the time, why would we not accommodate that in you, you know, for you? So, so it was probably four months ago, sitting at this table, well, it's no longer there, um, and I was talking to these two young kids, 22, 21, 22, something, no, 18, I don't remember. Yeah. I'm, but I'm sitting there and I'm listening to them talk and I'm like, holy, holy shit, I don't even, like, I don't even know why I'm in this conversation. I'm just observing the two, they had never met, they met in my backyard. They met in my backyard and we came in and we sat down and we started talking and the two of them clicked and it was like listening to you guys and I'm sitting there like mind blown and, and, I, and I get up to go to the bathroom and I said, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, I don't understand why, like what, what is my purpose? Because I could not learn what it is that you know. The, the things that you two are talking about clearly came from some other place. It makes total sense to me. It's this whole remembering, putting back together truths in my head after I hear it. But I feel like it would take another 15 years of, of devout studying for me to understand what it is that you guys are, are so fluently talking about. And the one kid, Matt, uh, Kenny, he turned to me and he's like, Seppi, don't you get it? Matt Kenny? Yeah, you know Matt? Matt's great. He's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. All right. So, <laughs> so he looks at me, he's like, don't you get it? Like, you've, you've established yourself. And, and then you've turned around to us and said, I have faith in you. Here's a space for you to get to work. Like, that's huge. And so, like, as we're talking about this, like, musician, this hospital musician, and that's so far away. Well, I, I you know, I know f 300 families in this community that throw parties, like, or, or whatever in their houses. My father can drive through the town of Mechanicsburg, and everybody waves at Paul Garrett. He was the teacher of the year. Not only do we have resources, but we also have connections. And, and not only connections, but connections that recognize that were relatively serious, you know, like, like our word is good, our handshakes are good, you know, and, and so it's kind of like this in, like, like we've got the backdoor key to, to, to the people that can create uh, a demand for hospital, hospital musicians, or, you know, maybe it's, you know, like there's yeah. an elderly community in, in, in this town, like how cool would it be? How many kids have, have left their, you know, their elderly parents in, in, in their homes in Camp Hill? How cool would it be for, you know, an hour a day, three times a day for, for, for a musician to go to their house and play music for them? Sounds like you need to start a time bank. <laughs> so, you know, so, so something, but like, so I'm, I'm just thinking like, when I think of resources, I think of, of guitars and homes and cash and you know whatever but, yeah cash but that's the elephant in the room um and i think that that's one thing i've been um bringing into the conversation when i have a chance too is not so much my generation but the generation half a step older the baby boom generation mm -hmm. um in addition to the you know good name and the credibility and the connections a lot of them have money too mm -hmm. um maybe not a majority of them but that's where the money is and somehow that has to be turned, I mean, it doesn't take much to support someone who has these other resources, you know, like, like but it takes some. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not sure how, what the capillaries would be to get the money to places like this, you know, like you don't need a huge amount of money to run this, but, you know, a few thousand here and there would probably help. Like, I'm not sure exactly what those capillaries would be to get the money there, but um, I want to bring that awareness out there, too. Because I think, like, as far as, like, a high-impact way to, to channel right. money. So, yeah. so, so right around the corner here by Marie, we have three jars. You know, our, our operating costs, to, you know, the mortgage payment, the electricity. We have lights on in this house. We, you know, like, it costs money to... to to have this space, and then it costs money to run the programming, the food that we ate tonight for dinner, the, um, you know, the class that, you know. And yeah, then, Sophie, I gotta say, like, I'm just gonna interrupt you here. I gotta say, like, those jars, the message they speak to me is, stick five bucks in this jar. Or maybe, 
if you're generous, stick 20 bucks in this jar. But see, there's, this, there's a problem with things like this where, where all of the alternative people are trying to scrape a little bit of money from each other. But none of them have much money because they're all trying to scrape it from each other. They're not, they're not you know, working in the, right. in the lucrative parts of the economy. Right. And, and there's a reason for that, which I wrote about you know, in Sacred Economics. I mean, where the money is, is in contributing to the machine, essentially. And if you don't want to contribute to the machine, you're not going to get paid a lot to do it. So all of the holistic healers, all of the musicians and all of the permaculture design people and all of these guys, none of them have a lot of money. And so having those jars there, I mean, to like circulate a tiny amount of money around to each other, that doesn't work. There has to be an outside source. And if the outside source isn't bringing money in because you are working for the machine and making them even more money through your labor, because that's the standard reason for hiring somebody is that that person will make you even more money than you're paying them. Mm -hmm. That's economics 101. And if that's not going to be that way, then there's only one other way for the money to come, and that's as gifts. So ultimately, I mean, you know, ultimately, and I'm not saying in the short term, but those jars aren't going to cut it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so that, that was my second question. I mean, you just experienced this with the with the Sacred Masculine podcast. Like, 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 how do you navigate this? How do you? What would you suggest? Um, I, I can I, I, I can tell you what I where I want it to go. I want my work to be mostly funded by people with with enormous amounts of money, and the people who like have to really think, you know, can I afford $50 to take an online course? You know, like if they have to really think that, I don't want them to pay $50, mm -hmm. you know? And that's why I do the course, you know, as you choose, you know, you can choose zero if you want. Even though there's a lot of pitfalls, like a lot of people who choose zero probably could pay a lot of money and have a lot of money, but, so I don't know how to get to where I want to go, but I know where I want to go. I want the accumulations of separation to be <clears throat> turned toward the purposes of reunion. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. But I don't know how to get there. Yeah. I, I know that one way not to get there is to um, become grant dependent. Like, go for, I mean, having a 501c3 is fine as long as you're not, if you don't, you don't have an organization that's then dependent mm -hmm. on large grants to su completely support your infrastructure and personnel costs because you, then, then the grants can easily be taken away and often are, and then it bankrupts and completely nullifies what you've done. Right. So, or you lose your focus because you have to get the next grant. Right. right. You, you, you then Whether you're, it's, you know, what you want to do or not. Right. And I've seen that. Mm -hmm. But what our transition town has done, okay, so we, we're as broke as any, any you know, alternative uh, nonprofit trying to do this work in the world. And what we did was, like with a free store, unexpectedly, we put out a donation jar, kind of like this, and people give us their stuff and then they come and take stuff and we make $1,000 a month in donations, which actually then goes back into the into Transition Town, which funds our, our um, you know, the programming. And it actually gave us for the first time a budget. We'd never had that before. And it's, a, and it's not grant dependent and it's the source of income that's ongoing. So like really kind of creative, small um, things that you can get donations for can really go a long way, much further than you, th further than you think, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I don't think there's any simple answer. There's, there's, yeah. I think we should um, wrap up the <coughs> recording because it's really long, really long for people who listen to a podcast. <laughs> right. But, right. Um, That's not good. And I don't want to edit it too much because like it was all really good. So, um, but I wonder if there's a final Final thing to be said. I had a good time. <laughs> yeah. And I'd That's... love to continue the conversations in other places. Yeah. <laughs> At other times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, Seppi's place. Seppi's place. We are speaking to you from Seppi's place. Seppi's place. A circle of about ten or fifteen people, of all ages, um, from ten to seventy-five. Um, and this has, yeah, this has been great. I really hope that that um, 
I do, I do hope it catalyzes something and, and maybe people who are doing similar projects and want to link up will get in touch. How should they get in touch, Marie? Seppi'sPlace.com, Seppi'sPlace at gmail. Seppi'sPlace.com. And on Facebook, right? And if they want to get in touch with each other, too, through More Beautiful World or through... They could do more be through the More Beautiful World group on Facebook or they can write me and I can also yeah. connect people. Yeah, so through Seppi's Place or through my website or whatever. Um, or maybe even just by uh, having it on your radar screen and then the connections start to appear by magic, as Seppi was describing earlier, uh, including this gathering. Totally spontaneous, really. Was. More or less, yeah. You've been listening to A New and Ancient Story with me, your host, Charles Eisenstein. To engage more deeply, you can join our community on newandancientstory.net, where we have live chats, forums, meetups, and all kinds of other tools for collaboration. If you want to find out more about my work, then visit my website, charleseisenstein.net.